potentially precedent-setting disqualification hearing is underway Friday in an Atlanta courtroom aimed at determining if Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia is constitutionally barred from running for re-election because of her role in the January 6th insurrection, they called it. You idiots. What's happening here? Well, in Georgia, the Democrats decided to rally and they decided to try to prevent Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for U.S. Congress. Now, what does this have to do with fighting and fighting back and evil for evil? I just said that to you, and what are your instincts? Democrats are using dirty politics to try to keep someone they hate from running for office. What's your instinct? As someone on the right, almost undoubtedly, this is what your instinct is. That's not fair! That's dangerous. They can't do that. Imagine if imagine if we did that to them. These, these thoughts are going through your head. Look, they go through my head. I'm not making fun of you. That's how we've been trained. That's what we believe conservatism is. No. No more. You know what the response to this is? It's not, can you imagine if we did that to them? No. The response is... Trump, DeSantis, whoever the de facto head of the Republican Party is, he picks up the phone today. As you hear the sound of my voice, he gets on the phone with 10 of the strongest GOP state legislatures in the United States of America, the reddest states you can find. He inevitably gets five of them who agree to go along with his plan. They get together and they announce, they announce publicly, these are the five Democrat congresswomen or men we will remove from running for office if Marjorie Taylor Greene is removed today. There it is. Period. End of story. You remove one of ours, these are the five of yours who will be gone. Are you going through with this? And here's what you may be tempted to say right now. Maybe it is. Maybe you're yelling at the radio as we speak. Maybe you're saying, that's not right. That's not right. That's, That's not constitutional. What about... What about the Constitution? If I have one more useless person on the right bring up the Constitution for me, to me as a reason why we're not allowed to fight back, I'm going to pull what little hair I have left in my head out. The Constitution is wonderful, an amazing document created by incredible human beings. It guided a nation into being the freest, most wealthy country in the history of the world. The Constitution also is expired and has been in, uh, for quite some time. Not because it's less wonderful today. It's just as wonderful as it always was because they decided they didn't want to live under it anymore. It's a contract. As soon as they decide they're walking away from the contract, you don't sit there and abide by the contract. Once they've walked away, the contract becomes null and void. It's gone. And again, I'm not celebrating that. That sucks. I wish that wasn't the case. But do you get to pick the world you live in? I I, I don't know. No one asked me. I, 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 I really think I would remember if the good Lord Almighty came down and said, Hey, Jesse... I'd like your opinion on what what era you can what era you're going to live in. Would you would you help me lay it out for you just so it's perfect for you? I'm sorry, I don't remember God asking me. This is the period of time I've been given. This is the period of time you've been given. There is no constitution anymore. We can't be the only ones who try to fight back with it within the confines of the rules, guys. They don't have any rules. We still have political prisoners sitting in jail, nonviolent, first-time offender, political prisoners still rotting in a D.C. gulag as we speak. These people want to sexualize your children. 
These people will use dirty judges and dirty legal stuff to get congressmen they don't like from running for office. If we're going to be presented with solutions to that, with, with things we can do to fight back to that, and we're going to say, oh, that's, that's, not what, that's not what John Adams would want. Oh, barf. Chris, you know what? We need to bring back the vomit sound because that, that, that's perfect for that. Give me a freaking break. The stakes of the game are higher than you or I can even imagine. Go look at what this disgusting ideology has done to people. Go look. Go look at the death and misery and suffering that comes when these people take total power. What should you do to keep these people from taking over? Everything. We have legal means within our disposal right now. We can do things right now. We can attack right now so this doesn't get worse. So we can put them on their heels. So we can put them on notice. And that's not evil. In fact, I would argue evil is not doing it. That Marine sitting outside of that cave in Saipan with a couple Japanese soldiers in there and women and children... If he takes that grenade and instead of throwing it in there, instead he puts it back in his pouch and moves on to catch up with his, with his patrol and those Japanese soldiers sneak out of that cave later on that night and cut his buddy's throat, that's that Marine's fault. Period. And those Marines knew it, and that's why they didn't do it. We have an obligation, not an option. You and me. We can't rely on the general public for it. You and me, we have, an option, we have an obligation to make sure these people never take full power in this country. I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term map. Um, they They're trying to come up with new terms for pedophilia and writing books about it. Oh, by the way, they teach your kids at college. They teach your kid in kindergarten. They sit in media newsrooms. They're Democrat politicians. They're filling up the three-letter agencies. They're billionaires. They make your movies. They make the sitcoms you watch. The stakes of losing to these people, they're unimaginable. You say the communist plays evil and we can't play evil. I say to you, it is evil to not go after these people with everything you have. They're trying as we speak to remove a sitting congresswoman they don't like from being able to run for office. And what is our side's response? That's wrong. No, no more. No more, that's wrong. They can't do that. They don't have rules. Their rules are victory. Total victory. Kelly show let's have some fun on a Friday and ask 
Dr. Jesse Friday, and we are going to have some deep talks today. It is going to get a little deep. You see Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's on trial. I'm going to tell you why that very much matters for you and everyone in the country. We have everything from questions about fighting the communists. Why is Joe Biden announcing our military aid publicly? Why do we put up with George Soros? Why do they call us Nazis? And which TV character from the 60s do I want to be? All that and more is coming up today on the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh, and Black Lives Matter turning on the Democrats a little bit? Oh, yeah, it's happening right in New York City. It's hilarious, but we'll get we'll get to all that in a bit. First, let's have a deep talk. Evil. What is evil? Good and evil. What is evil? And I'm asking for a very specific reason. I actually want to get right to a question here because this is going to come into play when it comes to what's happening with Disney, what's happening with Marjorie Taylor Greene, What's happening in a lot of different places? Good, evil. What, but let's have a talk. So I got this, got this email. It said, Shogun, I'm sitting here listening to your Wednesday show about how the right never plays dirty like the communists do. I think we need to change our losing mentality and therefore change our tactics. I'm not saying that I don't agree with you, but the communists are evil and they always play evil. The good guy's conscience won't allow them to play evil until the very end. Says, I'm not saying it's you're wrong. Um, he said, I'm not saying you're wrong because that's the point, so on and so forth. Look, let's have a talk about what is evil and what is not evil. And let's be very, very clear about something. The people we are up against, they are evil. And they want evil things for this country. I'm going to play something for you that's very gross. Uh, Yes, it's still family friendly, but it's gross. For once, I'm not going to cut it off just because I'm grossed out. I want you to sit there and I want you to listen to this because it is critical as we have this talk about how we fight back and what do we do against these people and good versus evil. It is critical that we understand the stakes of the game. Sit and listen to this. I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, A lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, And that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, But using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. Okay. Breathe it in. You heard it. Minor attracted persons and all that. What's that have to do with anything? We have to acknowledge what their view of our country is. What do they want? Your enemy's goals matter a lot. What do they want? Pause for a moment 
and think about what happens to you and everyone you love if those people are allowed to finally seize total power in the United States of America. We're not even going to talk economics and the starvation and the misery. We're not even going to talk about that. Let's discuss Sodom and Gomorrah, which we would become and are becoming already. We are dealing with evil. Now, what should we do about that? There's a way of thinking. This is very common on the right. This is very common on the American Christian right, that to fight hard, to fight at all, is somehow wrong. That's absurd. And I understand that has been a way of thinking for a long time. That is flatly absurd. So we're going to do a little history. I have brought up this example before, but we're going to bring it up again because it is a great example. Evil, good, and evil. I had somebody say today, because I was bringing up how we should fight about this Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff and Disney stuff and whatnot, and obviously, as you know, I'm pretty forceful about it, I guess. Is that fair, Chris? Pretty forceful about it. And I had somebody say, but but if if we fight evil with evil, then in the end, we're just evil, okay? Look, maybe you're saying that right now. I'm actually not ripping on that person or you, if that's your way of thinking, but let's do a little history. Saipan, the Pacific War. You understand about the Pacific War, right? Yep, yep, I'm talking history today. I don't care, it's Friday. I love history, and we're going to geek out on it because it applies today. We had to take on the empire of Japan on the Pacific uh, Pacific portion of World War II. And Japan, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan, love the culture, really enjoy the people. Shoot, I love the food. I've been there. I'm taking my son back. Like I love Japan. And actually, I even loved Japan during this era, the 1930s and 40s era, but it had major problems. They had major, major problems, and they had, they'd modernized economically and modernized militarily. They had not, however, modernized when it came to how they conducted themselves in war. I mean, we look at them now and the way they conducted themselves and we're horrified and it was horrific. I'm not defending it, but if you want to defend them, and I kind of do because I love them, if you want to defend them, yes, it was awful. The things they did, unspeakably awful, but it was really how warfare had always been done throughout history. They just didn't come around to the fact everyone else had changed things. So for us, we take over a city. What are we going to do? We're going to gather the women and children, make sure they're fed. Hey, let's get some medical attention over here. Any soldier who surrenders, let's make sure he's a POW, well taken care of, international laws. You know, that's how most of the world conducted themselves. Ah, For most of the history of the world, they would have laughed at such a thing. When you take over a city, you you do terrible things to the women, you kill all the kids, you kill all the men, and then you enslave everyone else who's left after you pillage the city and burn it to the ground. And that's how the Japanese conducted themselves in World War II, as if they were medieval barbarians. And it shocked so many people. I mean, the stories I could tell you right now would shock you. And this is going to come back to politics today. Just just hang on with me. So we began our island hopping campaign. We started in the, they took over all these islands and we started in the outer ones and started working our way closer to Japan. 
And the goal of that was so we could use our heavy bombers and bomb Japan to powder, which, of course, we ended up doing. And that was much more than just Hiroshima and Nagasaki, by the way. Everyone knows those two. People do not realize we bombed every major city in Japan to dust. It's just the two atom bombs get all the publicity. But eventually... You see, we were conquering these outer islands. Stay with me. Stay with me. We were conquering these outer islands, but we began to work our way closer to the mainland. And as we began to work our way closer to the mainland, we got to places where Japan had already controlled for a long time. A place like Saipan. Saipan, it had more than just Japanese troops on there who were dug in when our Marines and Army guys landed. There were civilians there. People had been living there for a long time. Women and children. You remember we had Terry Shepard on the show yesterday, and he actually talked a little bit about Saipan and recovering bodies and things like that. So if you you missed that, it was worth it. We get to Saipan, and now things are a little different. See, it's one thing if you're landing on uh, Iwo Jima, There's nothing on that godforsaken patch of black volcano rock. Just drop as many bombs as you want. Throw a grenade in every cave you see. Because there's no one on there except for Japanese troops. Now you're on Saipan. You have women and children to consider. And the Japanese, again, not ripping on them, but I mean, it was horrific. The Japanese... They weren't worried about things like the more Christian um, Western Americans were. They weren't worried about the safety of women and children. In fact, they knew we were worried about the safety of women and children. And so they said to themselves, "Eh, I think we can take advantage of this. I think we can take advantage of these Americans and, and their values. And so as we began to work our way through Saipan, and we were winning, they couldn't stand up to us militarily by now. We were taking heavy losses, but we were winning, and we began to work our way through Saipan. The Japanese began to use more and more the caves. Again, if you were listening to last night's show, Terry Shepard came on. He talked extensively about the caves. You can go look at them online. There are extensive caves throughout Saipan. It's just a place with a bunch of natural caves, plus the Japanese used them more. Hang on. I'm going to explain to you where this is going and how this applies today. Good versus evil. How should you how should you fight the communists before we get to that? Tomorrow the weekend begins. Let's let's not kid ourselves. The weekend begins now. It is the Jesse Kelly show on an ass Dr. Jesse Friday. How hard should you fight? Where's the line? Is it good versus evil? How do you win? We have a congresswoman on trial today determining whether or not she can run for re-election, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We have the communists turning on each other in places like New York. We have Disney. We have so many things to talk about on the Jesse Kelly Show, so I'm doing a little history rewind because someone wants to know. Hey, aren't the communists always going to fight harder because they're willing to be evil? So just hang with me. We're talking about Saipan, the Pacific Island, World War II. The Marines get there. The Army gets there. They start working their way through Saipan, but it's not like the other islands. There are civilians living there. There are whole communities of people there, homes, women, children. 
As the Marines begin to work their way through Saipan, the Japanese are starving and they're desperate. And again, these are people who do not obey the rules of war that we have laid out for ourselves. And what they began to do is they gather the women and children on the island, little babies oftentimes, and they pull them into the caves with the soldiers. Not uncommon for the soldiers to kill one of the babies or demand a mother kill her own baby if they hear American Marines or, or, or Army guys out front because they're trying to hide. And they keep these people in there and don't let them leave because they know your values, my values, the values of the Americans are protect women and children. And so how did this go? Well... It didn't take very long for the Marines and Army guys on that island to figure out if these guys are dug into a cave, you can't get them out. Not without killing everyone in the cave. That sounds great. looks great in the movies. It's awesome when Captain America runs in the room and does some spin kicks and throws his shield and all the women and kids are safe and the bad guys are gone. In real life, it doesn't work like that. Not in dark caves on jungle islands in the Pacific. Real life doesn't work like that. Yes, there were obviously attempts to go in and, and grab people and try to get the innocent people out. Almost always those attempts ended with a Marine dead, an Army guy dead, and then you're still standing there outside of the cave, and you have to pacify that cave. You have to. You can't move on. You can't let your unit just move past the cave in case that's what you're thinking because then the enemy is behind your lines and they'll come up and stab you in the middle of the night. Again, I'm applying this to politics. Just hang on, hang on. So what did those Marines do? What did those Army guys do? I know you love them. I know you admire them. You know how much I do. What'd they do? Well, they took out grenades. Sometimes they took out satchel charges. Sometimes they took out flames. Uh, satchel charge, Chris, is basically a plastic explosive, a bigger grenade. Like you've seen in World War II movies, if you've ever seen them pull uh, pull a piece, it looks almost looks like a, a a circular piece of string on a on a big satchel and throw it into a bunker. That's a it's just a bunch of explosives. What they're pulling is a fuse. You throw it in and it blows up. Doesn't doesn't matter. It's a big explosion, a big boom, Chris. Big boom. All right, here. This is it. Sounds like that, right? Well, the Marines, the Army guys on Saipan, take that flamethrower, take that satchel, take that grenade, pull the pin, throw it inside. Everyone's dead. Women and children, too. Now, let me ask you, do you consider that Marine to be evil? I, I should note, if you want to hear a Marine actually talk about this or hear guys talk about this stuff, there is an incredible documentary out there. They're not associated. I think the BBC did it. Not associated with the show or anything like that, and it's almost impossible to find. You're not going to find it on Amazon or whatever. I think it might be on YouTube, if I remember right. The documentary is called Hell in the Pacific, and no, I'm not talking about the feature-length film that was made that's also called that. This is a documentary called Hell in the Pacific. You can watch Marines discuss this. Watch them discuss throwing grenades into caves with women and children inside of it. Now, let me ask you something. Do you consider that Marine who threw that grenade in, do you consider him to be evil? Or do you consider him to be 
a desperate soul trying to overcome evil and doing whatever is necessary, playing the hand he's been dealt in order to overcome evil forces, the empire of Japan back then. I think, I think you understand exactly where I'm going here. We, we say things like the communists are evil, and that's correct. But then in the next breath, like here, and I'm not ripping on the guy at all. I'm not going to say his name. I understand what he's saying. He's, he's with us. And the next breath, he says, and they always play evil. I think that's probably where we disagree. I don't consider playing hard without rules. I don't consider that always evil. If that's what the communist has decided for the United States of America, then that's how we have to play. Do you remember we are one summer removed from these people burning NYPD cop cars with Molotov cocktails? Do you remember the media covering for that destruction by calling it fiery but mostly peaceful protests? Do you need me to play for you this circus freak again talking about minor attracted person? I use the term minor attracted person or math uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. And math advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated. The stakes of the game are those people will take over everything. They will burn, loot, destroy everything you love. Everything your children love, your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren will live in an environment of complete and utter misery as every person who's lived under communism has before. Now you tell me, how hard should you fight to make sure that never happens? Playing hard is not evil. Sometimes you're dealt a bad hand. We've been, belt a, we've been dealt a bad hand. Let's roll. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. What are you up against? How hard should we fight? Well, I want you to listen very closely to this. Do you personally agree or disagree with her interpretation of public health law? Well, I, I, I clearly disagree. I mean, those types of things should be decided as a public health issue by the public health organizations. In this case, the CDC. This is a public health matter. This is not a judicial. Not a judicial matter. He believes the public health officials should rule your country like kings and queens. Those are the stakes of the game. How hard should we fight? And I bring this up, uh, the major story today, it's everywhere, on top of Black Lives Matter going after Eric Adams, which is hilarious, we'll get to in a second, watching the communists start to eat each other, but the big story today is Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Georgia, you've undoubtedly heard of her, she's at a hearing. What's going on at this hearing? Well, let me just read it. A potentially precedent-setting disqualification hearing is underway Friday in an Atlanta courtroom aimed at determining if Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia is constitutionally barred from running for re-election because of her role 
and the January 6th insurrection, they called it. You idiots. What's happening here? Well, in Georgia, the Democrats decided to rally, and they decided to try to prevent Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for U.S. Congress. Now, what does this have to do with fighting and fighting back and evil for evil? I just said that to you, and what are your instincts? Democrats are using dirty politics to try to keep someone they hate from running for office. What's your instinct? As someone on the right, almost undoubtedly, this is what your instinct is. That's not fair. That's dangerous. They can't do that. Imagine if, imagine if we did that to them. These, these thoughts are going through your head. Look, they go through my head. I'm not making fun of you. That's how we've been trained. That's what we believe conservatism is. No. No more. You know what the response to this is? It's not, can you imagine if we did that to them? No. The response is Trump, DeSantis, whoever the de facto head of the Republican Party is, he picks up the phone today. As you hear the sound of my voice, he gets on the phone with 10 of the strongest GOP state legislatures in the United States of America, the reddest states you can find. He inevitably gets five of them who agree to go along with his plan. They get together and they announce, they announce publicly, these are the five Democrat congresswomen or men we will remove from running for office if Marjorie Taylor Greene is removed today. There it is. Period. End of story. You remove one of ours, these are the five of yours who will be gone. Are you going through with this? And here's what you may be tempted to say right now. Maybe it is. Maybe you're yelling at the radio as we speak. Maybe you're saying, that's not right. That's not right. That's, That's not constitutional. What about... What about the Constitution? If I have one more useless person on the right bring up the Constitution for me, to me as a reason why we're not allowed to fight back, I'm going to pull what little hair I have left in my head out. The Constitution is wonderful. An amazing document created by incredible human beings. It guided a nation into being the freest, most wealthy country in the history of the world. The Constitution also is expired and has been uh, for quite some time. Not because it's less wonderful today. It's just as wonderful as it always was because they decided they didn't want to live under it anymore. It's a contract. As soon as they decide they're walking away from the contract... You don't sit there and abide by the contract. Once they've walked away, the contract becomes null and void. It's gone. And again, I'm not celebrating that. That sucks. I wish that wasn't the case. But do you get to pick the world you live in? I I, I don't No one asked me. I, 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 I really think I would remember if the good Lord Almighty came down and said, Hey, Jesse... I'd like your opinion on what, what era you can, what area you're going to live in. Would you, would you help me lay it out for you just so it's perfect for you? I'm sorry. I don't remember God asking me. This is the period of time I've been given. This is the period of time you've been given. There is no constitution anymore. We can't be the only ones who try to fight back within, within the confines of the rules, guys. They don't have any rules. We still have political prisoners sitting in jail, nonviolent, first-time offender, political prisoners still rotting in a D.C. gulag as we speak. These people want to sexualize your children. 
These people will use dirty judges and dirty legal stuff to get congressmen they don't like from running for office. If we're going to be presented with solutions to that, with, with things we can do to fight back to that, and we're going to say, oh, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what John Adams would want, I'll barf. Chris, you know what? We need to bring back the vomit sound because that, that, that's perfect for that. Give me a freaking break. The stakes of the game are higher than you or I can even imagine. Go look at what this disgusting ideology has done to people. Go look. Go look at the death and misery and suffering that comes when these people take total power. What should you do to keep these people from taking over? Everything. We have legal means within our disposal right now. We can do things right now. We can attack right now so this doesn't get worse. So we can put them on their heels. So we can put them on notice. And that's not evil. In fact, I would argue evil is not doing it. That Marine sitting outside of that cave in Saipan with a couple Japanese soldiers in there and women and children... If he takes that grenade and instead of throwing it in there, instead he puts it back in his pouch and moves on to catch up with his, with his patrol and those Japanese soldiers sneak out of that cave later on that night and cut his buddy's throat, that's that Marine's fault. Period. And those Marines knew it, and that's why they didn't do it. We have an obligation, not an option. You and me. We can't rely on the general public for it. You and me, we have, an option, we have an obligation to make sure these people never take full power in this country. I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they They're trying to come up with new terms for pedophilia and writing books about it. Oh, by the way, they teach your kids at college. They teach your kid in kindergarten. They sit in media newsrooms. They're Democrat politicians. They're filling up the three-letter agencies. They're billionaires. They make your movies. They make the sitcoms you watch. The stakes of losing to these people, they're unimaginable. You say the communist plays evil and we can't play evil. I say to you, it is evil to not go after these people with everything you have. They're trying as we speak to remove a sitting congresswoman they don't like from being able to run for office. And what is our side's response? That's wrong. No, no more. No more, that's wrong. They can't do that. They don't have rules. Their rules are victory. Total victory. You want to talk about total victory? Look at this. The headline, New York Post. Black Lives Matter's Hawk Newsom blames, quote, white man Eric Adams for New York City war zone. Yeah, I know, Chris. I, I, I know. It's, it's, I, the white man thing is weird, but... Black Lives Matter is looking at the destruction of New York City, and you know what they're saying? Oh, this hasn't gone near far enough. Look out your window. You sitting in New York right now? You see all that? 
Does that look like it's gone far enough? It may have looked like it's gone too far to you, not to the communist. He's just getting started. Now, look, this applies to the Disney stuff in corporate America, too. It applies. Look, it applies to you and me where we spend our money. Surely we can be committed enough to not give our cell phone money every month to Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile. Have you seen the social initiatives of these companies? It's disgusting. Switch to Beer Talk. You, for one, you pay like half. Average family, average family saves over $800 a year. You're on the same 5G network. You're not sacrificing service. It's easy to switch. And Pure Talk actually loves this daggone country. Their CEO fought for this country in Vietnam. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. And that saves you even more money. It saves you 50% off your first month. Pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. We'll be back with some more Ask Dr. Jesse. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. There's battle lines being drawn. But we need to do something else. We need to get off this roller coaster relying on oil. I love these people. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And I, I just these people. How shameless are these scumbags? We need to we need to get off this this roller coaster of relying on foreign oil. But we need to do something else. We need to get off this roller coaster of relying on oil. They create the roller coaster. We were energy independent by the time Trump was done. And Democrats come in and do everything they can to kneecap the oil industry and then they turn around, whoa, this oil roller coaster's out of control. These people and look, that's another thing. You get these people on the right whining about Going after Disney about Heavy D and the Florida Republicans going after Disney. Uh, That's not right. Uh, It's not constitutional. These communists have been attacking everyone from coal to oil to Chick-fil-A for decades. They've been using the power of government to attack their political opponents for decades. One state does one thing against a multinational corporation that has publicly declared themselves committed to grooming children and half the pundit politician class on the right. Ah, ah, that's not constitutional. Gosh, if I have to hear that word one more time, I'm going to vomit. Unreal. Let's, you know, let's sit to some more Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about something good first real quick. The communists turning on each other. Black Lives Matter leader Hawk Newsom, he's turning on New York Mayor Eric Adams. Eric Adams and him have been going at each other. And I don't have commentary to put on this. I will simply say this. If you're upset about the direction of the country and you're upset about these people taking over everything, and I understand that, that sucks, at least take comfort in this. Nobody has hurt more communists than communism. In the end... Once they take full power like they have in places like New York City, once they take over everything in the end, they start fighting each other. Eric Adams and his loser brigade, they very much used Black Lives Matter and that sentiment to ride a wave of getting themselves elected again. Democrats have been using Black Lives Matter for a few years now to get themselves elected. 
If you're now upset because Black Lives Matter is going after you, that sounds like a personal problem, Jack. Don't expect me to be crying for you. Jesse, there's one thing I don't understand that makes me angry is Biden announcing to the nation what military equipment is being sent to Ukraine. Isn't it supposed to be strategic by keeping it secret? We all know our enemies are listening, so why give them the advantage of preparing a counterattack against Ukraine's military? Okay, says I can say her name, her name is Wendy. And it's an excellent question, but I think it's important we understand something. Remember, I know you're going to roll your eyes, but we have to always remember, what are the three things? The three things they all have in common? No love of country, no connection to the real world, and the belief they should rule over you as kings and queens. Let's set aside the last two for a minute and focus on the first. No love of country. Why does Joe Biden announce all these things publicly about what we're sending to help Ukraine? Today, the United States is announcing. Well, remember what I've been telling you. Remember what I've been wait, telling wait. you? These people. Chris, the, 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 the voice board thingy. It, it did the thing. The Russians hacked our voice board. Our, that, that was supposed to be Joe. You know what? I'll do my. Uh, uh, or today we're announcing uh, that we have Easter candy. Le- or wait, no, is that wrong? Jill. 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 Uh oh. Now, what he announced was publicly announced another $800 million to Ukraine. And this person wants to know hey, why would you announce these things publicly? These people, they don't do anything nothing because it's the right thing to do these people worship power they want to hang on to the power they have they want to gather more of it there is no see, because you have a moral compass it's hard for you to understand how the communist thinks people like joe biden don't have any moral compass they're they're committed to power why would you announce the ukraine aid publicly instead of privately what? That's because you're not trying to help Ukraine out. You're trying to help your poll numbers. It's not about Ukraine. They don't care about These people don't give a crap about Ukraine. The, the only thing Biden cares about when it comes to Ukraine is lining his own pockets and his son's pockets. That's all he's ever cared about. They don't care about Ukraine. That's nothing to do with Ukraine. They care about getting reelected. They care about public opinion polls. Yes, it is the stupidest thing in the history of the world to take military matters and announce them publicly. We do this all the time. They do this because they don't actually give a crap about anything but power. That's why they do this. Oh, there's another quick headline before I get back to the Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Jesse, why the price of gold is, or no, the headline says, why the price of gold is heading for a modest new all-time high. Hmm. Who told you to buy gold about six months ago? Did I not tell you to buy gold? Oxford Gold Group? They're still right there. They are waiting by the phone as we speak. 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call. Let me ask you, with inflation going up and interest rates going up, do you think the uh, price of gold is about to go down? Or do you think that number is going to continue to skyrocket? You can answer it yourself. 833-995-GOLD. Tell Oxford Jesse told you to call. Get some gold delivered to your house, all right? Yeah, look, again, back to the Biden and Ukraine thing. Nothing, nothing they do ever is for the good of the country because they simply, 
they don't think about things in that way. You do. And because you do, it's human nature. I do this too. We all do this. It's human nature. You take your moral values or, or your, the things that guide you and you assign them to everyone. You think because, hey, if I was president, uh, I would do this because it's the right thing to do. That's what you think because you love the country. You would have the country's best interests at heart. You would try to do the right thing by this and right thing by this and right thing by that. It just that's that's how, and because you think that way, you think they think that way, and that's why it's so difficult for us to take these people on because they simply have an entirely different mindset. They don't think in those terms anymore. And what's actually really really hard is for older Democrats to accept that. Because older Democrats came up in an era where Democrats didn't think that way. We've brought it up before. I mean, guys like John F. Kennedy, you can love him or hate him. John F. Kennedy was a patriot, and he loved his country. Yeah, yeah, I disagree with some of his political views, but that man was a patriot who loved his country. And older Democrats, they think that's still what they're dealing with when they vote for the Democratic Party today. It's hard to accept, uh, wow, these people hate America now. These people never give America a second thought. That's hard to accept. I mean, look, remember, they took the inflation that's destroying Americans, and all they were worried about was putting a label on it so you didn't blame them. Well, we saw the most recent inflation data. Last month, about 70% of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on gas and energy prices. Putin price hike? Yeah. All right, George Soros. Oh, this one's about to get spicy. Why haven't we done anything about George Soros? Hang on. Growing like a breeze, country roads. 